We have a guest uh, with us. Her name is Megan Alexander. And Megan Alexander can be seen every night on uh, the news magazine show Inside Edition. She has worked as well in Thursday Night Football on CBS, and she has covered the last six Super Bowls. Along with that, she covers major award shows, national political events, entertainment events. She has a movie coming out this year. She's the executive producer, and she is an author of her new book called Faith in the Spotlight. With all of that, she is a wife, a mother of two, and she is giving up part of her Mother's Day to be here with us. And so I know you just sat down, but we do this at Friends. So stand up. You're going to be sitting for a little while. So stand one more time. This will be the last time for a little bit, okay? And I would love for you to give a big Friends welcome to Megan Alexander as she comes on stage. Okay, and she's FaceTiming her family, so say hi to her family. Hello. So great. Well, take a seat. We have uh, changed this service around a little bit. The ushers are going to take the offering because I forgot it. But Megan's got to catch a plane, and we want her to be home tonight for her family, right? <laughs> so we're going to do a couple things together. Ushers, go ahead and receive the offering, and uh, I'm going to interview her with a couple things. So Megan, great to have you. Thank you were you. at a women's event. Uh, this weekend for our women, heard great things, and then we've just been able to be together these last two services. So tell us about the family that you just FaceTime uh, yeah. and what's going on with them right now. Yeah. Thank you for letting me do that. I travel so much, I try to include them in any way I can. Um, but yeah, I have two boys, uh, an almost six-year-old and an almost two-year-old. And there's my hubby, Brian, who keeps it all together when I travel as much as I do. And our great dog, Indiana, who's also a member of the family. Um, my husband and I are born and raised in Seattle, but now we call Nashville, Tennessee home. And I commute to New York every week for work. We were full time in New York City. And then these last couple years, um, I've been commuting so that we could actually have a house because it's so expensive to live in New York City. Yeah. Well, you just wrote this book, uh, Faith in the Spotlight. And as you look at it, you wrote, this was really the theme. You can live out your faith in the spotlight, thrive in your career yes. while staying true to your beliefs. And so I want to get to that and talk some about the book, but I want to go back to the beginning uh, and where you kind of were raised and some of the grounding you have. You put a quote in your book that, that says this, teach your daughters to worry less about fitting into glass slippers and more about shattering glass ceilings. With a daughter 16 and a daughter 13, um, I want to go back and just say, how did your parents help shape you to be that kind of person where you broke through some things, where you dreamed dreams that were bigger than you could dream on your own, not only your parents, but some of your coaches, your teachers, and how all that shaped you as you began your journey into the entertainment world? Right. Yeah. Well, on this Mother's Day, um, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and all the just women that are doing such cool things and being you in today's world. My mother was a huge inspiration for me. My father, too, raised in a Christian home, attended Christian school, K through 12, in Seattle. And actually, Sharon K. Alexander and I attended King's Schools, and that's my connection to be here with you in your amazing church. Um, and, you know, I had parents that said, you know, go for it. You can be anything you want to be. But I'm, I'm not sure they were convinced that I would indeed pursue entertainment and media. They probably thought it was just a phase, something I was going through when I was growing up. But I really felt like God was calling me to this industry. Loved to perform, loved anything with music and the arts and all that. But, you know, it, my parents said, good luck. We don't work in that industry. Go get them. But we have no way to help you. <laughs> but, you know, an empowering moment for me came my junior year in high school. 
Um, we were all getting ready for prom, and it was a rare day when it was sunny in Seattle, and so we were taking advantage of being outside and taking a photo as a group in the backyard, and we sort of went around and talked about what we wanted to be when we grew up and where we were going to college. And my friend Nathan was next to me, and his father is a pastor, the Reverend Shields. And I remember when it was my turn to say what I wanted to be one day, I sort of apologized as I looked at Reverend Shields. I said, I think I want to be a news reporter. I think I want to work in media. I know it's not a pastor. I know it's not a doctor. But I think I want to work in entertainment. And the Reverend Shields said to me, Megan, every person is a minister. Every industry is a mission field. And that was a moment for me, Matthew, yeah. to get that blessing from a pastor. And the world just opened up. And I thought, wow, OK, God. I'm going to follow you on this journey. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other here, and I will just trust you. And that was a moment for me where I thought, okay, I felt called. We all, some of you can relate. You feel called to a certain um, job or industry in your life, and that was my moment. And many people along the way encouraged me, planted little seeds that they probably don't even know they were doing at the yeah, time. Yeah. And it began there. Yeah, well, Ecclesiastes... Chapter 9 says, uh, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. Yes. So you were in Seattle. You went to Westmont mm -hmm. uh, down in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And then from Westmont, you started doing some shows. Now, you've been at Inside Edition nine years? Yeah, nine years. Almost Inside 10. Edition nine years. But how did you get there? And, and what was it like starting out? Yeah. Well, this industry is not as glamorous as you think. You have to work many holidays, overnight. I've been away from my family, um, lots of travel involved. And my first job in the industry was for a classical radio station. And I had the overnight shift, midnight to 6 AM. Classics till sunrise. That was my <laughs> gig. But it was a foot in the door. And I just trusted, okay, Lord, I'm gonna keep following you and doing this and just really felt like I wanted to work in this industry. So that was my first job and you have to continue to plug along and got a part-time job in, in television in Nashville. And then my first full-time job was in San Antonio, Texas for a local TV station down there. I was the morning traffic reporter. We went on air at 5 a.m. So at 3 a.m. I was getting up while everybody else was wrapping up a fun night out. I was waking up and heading into work and I had that job for three years, morning news, and then I got an opportunity to co-host basically the equivalent of a Good Morning America for Texas. It was called Great Day San Antonio and worked there for three years and then Inside Edition came calling later. So you did your Inside Edition and then you got into Thursday Night Football mm -hmm. and now you've done six Super Bowls. So for the men in the room, I want to ask you a couple yeah. questions about football. Is sure. that all right? Of course. Because I'm sure they would love to know. Do you even like football? <laughs> I love one? football. You do? And the your job would be painful team? if I didn't like it. Well, I'm born and raised in Seattle, so go Seehawks. Yeah. Diehard Seahawks fan. Wow. I know we're not supposed to choose. We're not supposed to pick a team. Yeah. But Super Bowl 48 was incredible. Super Bowl 49 was painful yeah. when we lost. So yeah. well, <laughs> extreme opposites. As you... Uh, interview people at the Super Bowl and you've gone there. Tell us what well, you're really your greatest interview that you ever had at the Super Bowl. That is a difficult question. Um, difficult to answer, but uh, Super Bowl week is so big, isn't it? I mean, it's this whole week of everybody coming in and promoting their products, or their TV shows, whatever. It's become this circus. But a lot of the players come that aren't even necessarily playing in the game. And uh, at Inside Edition, we're a 30-minute news magazine show, so stories are very quick, and you really got to capture my boss's attention 
for these stories to get on our show. We're a little bit different if you watch our show. And so there was an opportunity to interview Drew Brees, quarterback for the Saints and believer, uh, cool guy. And I pitched it to my boss and he was like, well, look, I don't want to just hear his predictions on who's going to win the game. You got to do something interesting and different and think outside of the box to get this story on our show. So. Um, Drew Brees showed up, and I think we did the interview at like 4 a.m. because it was uh, West Coast time versus East Coast time, and he was the spokesperson for the Microsoft Surface, which is, you know, an iPad, basically, and he's, you know, giving me the bullet points, it's this, it's that, it's waterproof, and there was a giant jug of Gatorade next to him full of ice, and I thought, that's it, and I said, Drew, I'm going to test out the Microsoft Surface, talk about it being waterproof, and I want you to dunk that dunk me with this giant jug of Gatorade. And he's like, are you sure? And I heard later that he said to somebody, I was afraid she might slap me. Like, yeah. really? She wanted me to do this? So we did it, and that was it. And my boss was like, yeah, that's thinking outside of the box. So the story made air. But I think, you know, it's a great example of how we need to be as believers. We need to think outside of the box. We need to be creative. We need to not give up and keep trying and try something different. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the story of my life of working in this industry yeah. is we've got to just figure out a way. Don't give up. Yeah, was it waterproof? It was. It was good. That's it was. Awesome. It kept working. It was funny. When uh, Megan and I talked a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this weekend and, and what we were going to do and kind of where we were. And she told me that she's uh, executive producer of a movie and she was filming in Mumbai and in India. And so then I just went, well, um, a few years ago, we did a, a movie, our church did a movie, for those of you who are new, we did a movie called Not Today in India, and we shot it, and it was funny, because I didn't even say the name of it, and she went, was that movie Not Today? Mm -hmm. And so I want these people to know, um, really, what you did for us mm -hmm. before we even had you here, and kind of how it kind of all came together, because I think it was pretty cool. You did all the heavy lifting by yeah. making that movie. That is so cool. That is thinking outside of the box. So I love that you guys did that. I'm ready for the second movie, whenever yeah, that, it comes out. That's not coming. We'll leave that to you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it just in a nutshell, you know, I sometimes feel like there's such a disconnect between the entertainment industry and faith and just building bridges and finding out what each other is doing and being a Christian who's also in the industry. You know, I would, I would hear about these faith films and hear about them too late and I wouldn't get a press release about it. And I got an invitation to one called The Ultimate Life and I just thought, gosh, I wish there was a way I could be more involved in sort of helping us connect. And... Um, decided to start a film club in New York City with the idea that I would invite friends in the media, get them to know what's going on in the faith world, and sort of our test baby was not today. I heard that you were doing this movie, and so gathered some folks in New York City, and Cody Longo came, the star of the film, and Brent came, yeah. and we just did a Q&A, and that was just the idea, was just let's talk about what's going on, because yeah. there's so many cool things going on that we just don't always connect on. Well, and that was part of the reasons that movie went from 32 cities to 66 cities, because oh. it got Got out, and so we thank you. You guys did and such a good we, job uh, with that. Appreciate did that. Such a good so job. Really good. Keep okay. it up. We will. Uh, if there was a sporting event you could uh, go and represent and report at that you haven't done, what would that top of the list sporting event be? Uh, probably the Masters. Masters. I ask every year if we can please cover it for Inside Edition, and it hasn't worked yet. That's golf for those of you who golf. don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's and golf. my husband is like, I will be your makeup bag carrying person if you could just get me a press credential for the Masters. And I will be your chaplain. I don't okay. know if you need one. But I would, Done. I'm happy to do that. You can bless the event. I can bless the event. I'll do whatever. <laughs> just remember this moment. That's okay? right. You have my card. So, <laughs> all right. Um, Last one on this. Uh, what was your most 
embarrassing moment? You've interviewed tons of people from politicians to uh, country music stars, entertainment, football. What was your most embarrassing interview that you've done? There are so many, and uh, <laughs> but I'll just I'll just share with you this one. When I got to Inside Edition, I was new doing the red carpet thing. We get on the red carpet and cover all these different award shows, and I was covering a, covering a country music award show. I love country music, and a lot of times, in addition to covering the show and who's going to win what and who won what. We try to advance the story, like let's tuck away a story that we can use Christmas time or you know Mother's Day, interviewing the female country singers about being a mother. And so we decided to do a story on long-lasting marriages in the entertainment industry, those folks that have stood the test of time. And uh, a certain country singer came down the red carpet and I said, what's the key to a lasting marriage in Hollywood in, or in entertainment? And he said, heck if I know, I've been divorced three times and this current one isn't going so well. <laughs> And I just said, thank you for your honesty. Have a nice day. I did not do my homework on that star. So do your homework. Be prepared. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That was rough. Uh, you have a quote in your book, uh, switching gears a little bit, and uh, by St. Catherine of Siena, and it says this, be who you were created to be, and you will set the world on fire. Some people sit in this room and we're close to LA and that industry and being in Hollywood and some of them feel that that's where God has called them. Some today don't, but they have some other callings. And uh, you know, you're a person that's really setting the world on fire, really it's representing Jesus, but in your field. And I would just love for you, you know, what is it like being a person of faith and what would your advice be to them wrapped around that? How do you stay true to who you are in Christ and be in the industry that they might choose to be, which is similar to yours. Sure. Well, thank you for letting me talk about this because I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, I, I didn't have those role models necessarily to look towards. But again, I felt called and just kept going. And folks, I just want to share with you that my experience in this industry now, almost 15 years, people ask me all the time, why aren't stories of faith represented? Why do we sometimes feel like family values aren't there anymore in entertainment? My personal opinion, my opinion, is that we just don't have enough Christians involved in the industry who take their seat at the table, who are a person in the room when a decision is made, offering up a suggestion, giving an opinion. And I'll just share with you a quick story of how I realized this in the industry. When I was working in San Antonio, Texas and co-hosting that morning show, which was a live, again, like a Good Morning America, there was a really popular segment already existing on the show where a local psychic would come on the television show and viewers would call in and ask questions, and he would supposedly communicate with their dead relatives. And I mean, it was a very popular segment, and I'm watching all this go down, a Westmont grad taking all this in, going, this is crazy. But it was so popular, and the way people wanted to process grief and just get help sorting through life. And um, I'm the newbie co-host you know, at this show, don't want to rock the boat too much, but we got back to our war room where we brainstorm ideas for upcoming shows and they were asking for suggestions and I just kind of raised my hand and I said well that segment that we do with the local psychic what about if we tried it with a pastor I think that would work it would be so interesting if viewers called in and asked a pastor these kind of questions why do bad things happen to good people and so forth and my producer on that local talk show said Megan, we don't do faith. We don't do religion. It's not going to work. And I kind of put down my hand and, okay, you know, back to just doing my thing, laying low. 
Well, several weeks down the road, we'd had a cancellation. It's live television, so you have to fill the time. And so they said, anybody have any last minute suggestions? And we could always try to bring on a pastor. Max Lucado is just up the road. This is San Antonio. He's a famous pastor and author. I said, can we just give it a try? And that producer said, fine, give him a call. I doubt he'll be available, but whatever. See if he's available. So I called Oak Hills Church, where Max Lucado is a pastor. He was available and he would love to do it, and he would come in. So we had him on the show. That was totally a God thing, by the way, because he's a very busy man. Thank you, Lord. And uh, he came on the show. I thought it went great. Viewers called in, asked him questions. He's so relatable, much like you, Matthew. He takes it down to just a regular level. And um, we had a great interview, but you never know how it's going to go until the next day when you check the ratings. We checked the ratings for that show, one of the most popular shows we had had all year. And that segment, we got a ton of viewer feedback on. People loved it. And that producer that said to me, Megan, we don't do those segments. We don't do religion. Took one look at those ratings and said, okay, we do that. Let's bring them in again next month. And yeah, that was a great segment. That's a seat at the table, folks. That's just somebody in the room that's raising their hand and offering up a suggestion. I really believe that's it. So for some of us, we need to get in there. And I really believe in order to change culture, we have to engage directly with culture and do it with excellence. Some of us need to absolutely get in there where people say, ah, entertainment's Satan's playground. Well, you know what? That's where some of us need to go and shine a light in the darkness. That's just a practical example. And I've seen it on the national level too. And we need to tell people like Inside Edition when we like something. Absolutely. Because they listen. Viewers, you have more power than you realize. All those viewers emailed in, called in. Everybody checks ratings in my industry. So if you see something you like, Watch it, give feedback, and if you don't like it, change the channel. I really believe we vote in this country, not just at the ballot box, but with our remote controls and our computer clicks. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, one more question. Uh, You have a phrase in your book that says, where you say, let the uncool be what's cool. And you have made a choice from the beginning to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and not just be a hearer of the word, as the Bible says, James, it's a doer of the word. Mm -hmm. But uh, how has being a person of faith and following Jesus not hindered your career? It's actually kind of catapulted your career as you've stayed true to your values and as you have seen God work in your life. Share a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, being raised in a Christian home and attending Christian school K through 12, we had a really cool chapel at my high school my junior year where an alumni couple came back and talked about basically sex, dating, and relationships and marriage. And they shared their story that they were waiting until marriage to be together. And I thought it was so neat that they were so vulnerable. They let us ask questions, talk about it, what does it look like in today's world. And I remember some people in the room being a little embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're talking about this. I thought it was so neat. And them as my role models, I made that decision. I was gonna choose abstinence and wait until I was married. And my husband um, and I made that decision together. He came to the faith later in life and then chose to have what some call you know, a second virginity with me um, when he found the Lord. And that was our decision, we're proud of it. Never thought I'd talk about it publicly, especially in this industry. But you know, you never know how God is going to use your personal decisions in your professional life. And I met Inside Edition, just doing my thing again. Not sure how you know faith will ever play out or if I'll ever get a chance. Wanted to be known for good work first, be a good reporter. But my pastor one day called me in New York. She was jogging in Central Park. She said her phone rang, and a woman that owns a Christian women's magazine wanted to do an issue on dating and marriage and wanted to put someone on the cover that had waited until their wedding night. And she said, 
I can't find anybody in entertainment. Do you know of anyone? And my pastor said, I do, but I don't know if she's going to want to talk about it. Let me ask Megan. So she called me, and I asked my husband, what do you think? And he said, Meg, if it encourages one person, it's worth it. We got to do it. We got to do it. And we said, okay. So we did this story, and I was put on the cover of this magazine, National Reporter, Why I Waited. <laughs> and we need to give our boss a heads up at Inside Edition whenever we do anything extra, a movie, write a book, host a charity event. Give your boss a heads up so he's not the last to know. So I took that magazine, wrote a little post-it note, and just said, you know, hey, boss, this is coming out, FYI. Wanted you to have a copy, Megan. Put it on his desk in New York City. Thought he'd be like, eh, whatever, toss it aside. He's busy. It's crazy busy in our industry. Never thought I'd hear about it again. Well, my boss emailed me that night and said, Megan, I read this whole article. I'm amazed that you and your husband made this choice. It's so unusual in today's world. I'm a father. I love that you're valuing yourself and that you're talking about this. I'd like to do a story about you and your husband and your choice on Inside Edition. And I'm going, what? This is not how I thought he would respond. So I called my husband. Oh, honey, how do you feel about sharing our story with six million people on my show? And my husband said, if it encourages one person, it's worth it. Meg, we got to do it. So I thought back to that couple in high school that was willing to be vulnerable and maybe, you know, fight through that embarrassment that you kind of feel when we talk about these things. And I thought, yeah, it's our time to step up to the plate. So Lord, use it did the story for Inside Edition. It was wild in my newsroom that day as I'm with my editors and producers and we're putting together a story on abstinence, my story. But interesting conversations took place and it was some young people that pulled me aside, Matthew, that really made me so thankful. They whispered, Megan, I'm waiting too. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I didn't know anybody else was waiting anymore. And that's the reason I talk about it is I just want people to know it's still an option. And we don't really talk about it anymore in today's culture. But God can absolutely use your story and your personal decisions in your professional life. And yes, some people have said, oh my gosh, did that like scare people? I actually think it was an opportunity for conversation. And I think it has... Uh, absolutely benefited my career in terms of other folks have picked it up and then the opportunity to write the book yeah. came from Inside Edition sharing that story. So never be afraid that God could use you in yeah. a way you never thought possible. Yeah. Well, we sold out of her book, Faith in the Spotlight, and so you have to go to Amazon.com, sorry, and purchase it. Uh, but do that because it's a great book. And as uh, I close with you, Proverbs 31 says, she is closed in strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Mm. I thank you for taking a seat at the table, uh, reminding us that we all have a seat at whatever table we're at, that That's God right. can use us right where we are in our calling. Yes. Thank you for being strong and courageous and really being a true follower of Jesus. My wife gave her a great compliment after spending time with her yesterday. She just said she is the real deal. That who she is, um, all the time, this is you. And we thank you that you love Jesus and thank you that you're making a difference. And so when our people watch your show, I'm going to ask them just to pray for her when you see her on Thursday night football or you see her at the Super Bowl. Pray for her that God would continue to use her. And would you thank her for giving up her Mother's Day to be here with us? Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Awesome church. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Would you stand with me as we uh, close this service? 
There was a quote she had in her book by uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and it says this, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and blood and sweat, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I don't know what it is that God has for you. I don't know where you are. I don't know how many times maybe moms you've looked and you felt like a failure. My encouragement today for all of us is continue to press in and take a step towards Jesus. I don't know what he has for you. 13 years ago when I uh, interviewed to become the pastor, I really didn't want it. And uh, it was way bigger than me. But I remember telling him, I said, if you want a, a guy that's just going to come and preach on the weekends and go home from Sunday to Sunday, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> I don't think God's called me just to come and, and, and care for sheep and preach and go home, get some more knowledge. But if you want to step out, you want to do some things that aren't going to work, <laughs> if you want to take a step towards Jesus and when he actually calls, we would be a church that'd say, okay, I know it's crazy, like making a movie, and some of you still think I'm nuts. I probably was. But I look, and it went to 66 cities. It's in 14 countries. It didn't make as much money as we wish, and we usually look at success that way. I look and say, I have no clue what God's continuing to do today with that. But we stepped out. And we're going to continue to step out. We have a value here called riskivation. We combine risk and innovation and made it a word. We made it up. It's a great word, riskivation. If God calls us, we want to be people of faith that would actually step towards him and say, God, we can't do this on our own. You're going to have to show up. And then when he shows up, we sit around and go, wow, we were in the very presence of God. I don't know what it is for you, but I said to our elder board, I'm going to go down swinging. I'd rather do that than sit and just wonder if I could ever be used for God. I just want to tell you, the Bible's full of failures and it's full of ordinary people that he did extraordinary things through. And so on this Mother's Day, can I just challenge you from Megan? Let's step in. Let's get a seat at the table, whatever table that is, and let's just represent Jesus well. This morning, Hebrews says, run the race that God gave you, whatever that is and run it to its full, finish strong, and let God be glorified in your life. Father, we thank you this morning that you are here. Thank you that you've given us each a, a race to run, that you've given us a family to look after, that you've given us a church, God, that um, believes you are an active God, that you do miracles today, that you wanna use ordinary people in extraordinary ways. And I just thank God, I'm crazy enough, just in this service, if we, would come together and unite. And God, when you called, if we would just step out in faith, you could do amazing things, not just to change your Belinda, but North Orange County and change the world. Thank you for people that have already done that. Thank you for all that we're doing across India. Thank you, Father, for risks that we take. Now I ask individually to God that we would just raise up a prayer. God, what is it that you want from me today? God, uh, give me a seat at the table, wherever that is, at work. God, help me to be a great light. Thank you for Megan and the light she is. Thank you 
Father, that we can represent you right where we are and we don't have to compromise. And Father, thank you that you show up in strength and power and you take our small gifts and you use them in great ways. So we close this service, Father. We say thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of God that dwells in us for those of us who follow you and love you. And today we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. There is no equal, there is none like you, and we celebrate who you are in our lives and in this place. And it's in that powerful name we pray these things. Amen.